the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. You know, my wife poo-pooed a lot of things at the conference, but when Ryan McKean talked about how people having their own information in their own head and only in their head can be a threat to the firm, Seth's sad tale about Ryan sort of just goes to show, even if it's completely unintentional, just having all that information in one person's head is a danger to the firm. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Tyson, my friend, we got two of our favorite guests ever of all time. I think it's the first time we've had anyone on the show for a third time. It's uh, our friends Seth Price and John Fisher. Yeah, and we, it's one of those things where if, if we were going to have anyone on three times, it'd be these two guys. So, uh, John, Seth, what's up, guys? Great to be here. What's going on, All right, so let's go ahead. We thought we'd uh, just do a brief recap of the conference, and then we'd talk a little bit about what's going on with both of your firms and with John's mastermind experience. So, Seth, why don't you go first? How did you find the conference, and, and what were your takeaways? Yeah, you know, I found it inspiring. And I, you know, as a junkie of these conferences, what I love is a combination of saying, okay, this is what I'm going to focus on. And for me, it's been systems and wikis and making sure everything is documented. But what I love about it was things that were outside the box, you know, some of the stuff that uh, Jay Ruin was talking about on social finding elements that were not, they were sort of outside my comfort zone and seeing whether I could implement small uh, pieces of those along the way. John, what, what, what about you? Well, I'll tell you something, guys. Uh, I, I, the thing I like about a seminar is really not so much the information that I get from it, but the inspiration. And to see Jim take the stage and tell his story that was so emotional and extraordinarily powerful was that just made everything for me. So, so when I heard Jim do that, I was like, Hey, I'm good at this point. I don't need anything else. Uh, that was just cause it takes courage. Let's face it, guys. No, people don't go, go on stage and start talking about their personal lives because it was so much easier for you, Jim, to get up there and start reading from a piece of paper about marketing or management. But let's face it. That's not thrilling. What is thrilling is that you took a leap here, you had the courage to do it, and I can tell you, I was blown away by it. The other thing, guys, here, this is the power of storytelling, because 
Bill Umancy gave a, a extraordinary speech, and it was about his conflict with the defense lawyer, how the defense lawyer was a total ass, and Bill just wanted to rip the guy's throat out. But he, he took a step back, and he said, you know what? I'm going to play the good guy here. I'm going to put out a peace leaf. And he did that, and it sort of just mollified the whole situation, and he took an enemy and turned him into a friend, and they went out for drinks after they settled their case at mediation. Now, that's a story all of us can use because all of us have other attorneys that we just can't stand, and we're like, I am the good guy. They're the bad guy, but the reality is there, there's some bad guys in all of us. You know what I mean? We, we struggle with that, and I thought that the stories by Jim – uh, and Bill Umansky were just so extraordinarily powerful, and they, they were just such a great lesson for all of us. The one thing, too, guys, is when Jay Ruane came out in a Santa Claus outfit, I was like, that's golden. You know why? Because I'm not really going to remember much of anything that anyone says, except I'm going to remember that, that Jay was talking about social media, that he was in a Santa Claus outfit, and it just ingrains in my head that social media is about generosity and sharing and giving, and it's not about what we can take and getting cases, and it's a long-term play. Santa Claus doesn't want anything in return. He's just giving us gifts, right? So the, the reality is what, what, that is the power of nonverbal communication, and I so much appreciated, Jim, especially you. I never knew your story, but you told the story to hundreds of people at this conference, and it really impacted me in a big way. And I can guarantee that there were people at that conference who came up to you afterwards and said, Jim, thank you for doing this because I've had a similar experience and it's so meaningful to me. So I'm grateful for that. Well, John, I learned it from you. You're absolutely right. Last year at the conference, I got up there. I, I mistakenly scheduled myself right after you. I went and I was uh, talking on YouTube and I jumped through a bunch of slides. And when I was done, I was like, man, you know, I, I gave some value. I taught some people maybe some YouTube tricks, but listening to you talk about your dad and, and your family's struggles with him and sort of the last days of his life, um, that really inspired me to really put down the notes, to put down the slides and to just really talk from the heart. And, and you're absolutely right. But, but to me, the great blessing of the conference was the number of people I had I had four people come up to me and talk to me how they had struggled with food and with their weight. I had two people come up and talk to me about uh, more more serious chemical addictions. I had three people come up to me and talk about depression. And I had two people who I thought were just killing it financially come up and tell me basically that they were broke because I talked to about that time when I had to talk to Imani about us not having any money in the bank. And so um, it's only it, it, it's only by opening up like you said and like you showed me last year that we were able, that I was able even to pull that off. And I think it really set a nice tone for the conference. And Jim, if, if I can piggyback on what you just said, um, because it is so powerful. Uh, Seth had, had raised the question um, that, you know, he's just getting BS responses from his employees. He'll ask them and, and they're just BSing them. They're not really giving them the truth. Like they might not know the answer to something, but they're just BSing them. And I responded to Seth, that is a problem because that's an indication that they don't totally trust you. And, and reality is all of us have that problem because the only way we can build trust with our kids, our spouse, or our employees is by being completely transparent and acknowledging uh, that we've had problems in our past. You know, we, I've had issues sometimes with my kids where, where they make a mistake. And instead of passing judgment on them, I say, you know what? I've done worse. I've done a lot worse, truthfully. And the reality is, 
let's just let's just take this as a learning experience. And I think what what happens there is that they learn and your employees learn that it's okay to be honest about making mistakes. It's okay to admit we don't know the answers to this. And that is such a, a, a hard thing to do. And in my practice as well, people don't want to be straightforward with me about things. And, and it takes time. But Jim, what you did at that conference, I'll never forget it. Tyson, you had raised the issue about uh, Marcus Lemonis that we, both, we all saw together in, I think, 2016. And for me, Jim Hacking's moment on that stage was the same thing. I mean, it was just so extraordinarily powerful. And I will never forget it. And I think the story here is when you give a presentation at a seminar, you want to give a speech that people will never forget. And Jim, you did that. I completely agree, John. It's funny. So after Marcus spoke, um, I don't know if it was immediately after, but I, I think it was it was pretty close after. I looked over at at uh, Jim and I said, you know, man, I was nervous because I I didn't know what I was going to say if he called on us because he was he was calling on random people. And Jim was ready to go. He said, he said something like, I was, I was ready or something like that. I was just so shocked <laughs> that he was so willing to give that story. So it, it, it really is amazing. Just talks about, tells you a little bit about how, how awesome of a person Jim really is. Um, and, and Tyson, the, the powerful moment of that presentation by Marcus was he just came there in, in jeans and a T-shirt. And he tell, told the story about how he been, had been abused physically and sexually and had weight loss issues, weight problems as a child uh, who came from Lebanon, and it just basically melted the audience. We heard his personal story, and he basically asked the audience, who has had a similar experience? And an African-American guy who's in his 40s gets up, and he said, when I was eight years old, my mother told me that she wished I was never born. And I was like, holy cow, that's incredible. You know, that he's willing to share that in front of a couple thousand of people is amazing. But the, what happened there was Marcus by being vulnerable himself, he gave people the courage to be vulnerable for, for their stories as well. And I think what Jim did at your conference was the same thing. I, I definitely think that's a key part of it, seeing other people show that they are being can be vulnerable. And I think that this may be a good segue because uh, we're going to get to Seth. We want to sort of check in with you all in your firms. And Seth, you started to talk about something before we came on. And, and so... Um, sounds like you might have some sort of an announcement. That something it may not well, be not great. Not, not announcement, but no, just no, sort no. of you know yeah. we we uh, you know look we've we've done a a really nice job of scaling the firm as you know in the B two C world that we're in uh, you know or two steps forward one step back is, is the norm and I've been incredibly fortunate my my right hand man uh, besides my law partner is a guy Brian Benavides who is uh been a rock we we hired him as an admin uh seven eight years ago we ran the client management team as you call it the guys in the basement he started on that team he ran it and he's essentially our head of operations um one of those guys that you know my feeling was always wanted to pay ahead of the curve so money was never an issue on the table uh he has that x factor you know we work very hard putting systems in play and this guy is the guy who's really helped us to make sure that the trains run on time, that the culture is right, and oversees the pieces that I'm not great with, which is when interviewing, you know, what is somebody really trying to say? Very often somebody comes through and everybody thinks the person's great and he'll he'll be like, raise his hand and say, no, this person doesn't really want to be here. They want to be doing something else. And anytime we don't listen to him, it's a mistake. So he's been the lifeblood of our, our firm for, for quite a while. And uh, 
sadly, uh, last weekend was in a massive motorcycle accident. So I, you know, it is a, a really difficult place. The the long term prognosis ho- looks like it is going to be fine. Uh, there's a lot wrong, but many of the things that you worry about for long term recovery are looking pretty good. But it is going to be a long, long road back. And I always internally have always talked about we want to make sure that we're prepared if somebody's hit by a bus. So that can can we continue on? And, you know, I we talk about it, but this is sort of our moment where, you know, a lot of people get fed through our firm and the guy who is at the epicenter of making sure that the things work right and continue well uh, just overnight isn't there. And, you know, we're, we're all praying for him and, you know, we have good reason to believe that in maybe six months he, he could be back. But for the foreseeable future, we are operating without a guy who is central to our to our building. And it's just one of those life moments where on a personal level, it's just incredibly hard to deal with. But on a business level, I'm scratching my head saying we've done everything that we're supposed to do as far as systems. But there's that X factor beyond that that was just not counting on disappearing in, a, in the blink of an eye. Well, that's terrible, Seth, and it, it sucks you're going through that. But I'm, if, if anybody can get through it, it's you. I know you can. I know you've got a, a really strong firm, um, and, and, and but it's, it, it is tragic. So if you need anything from us, let us know. Um, John, I know it's a tough segue for you, but uh, just a, a quick check-in with your firm, how things are going. Well, I'll tell you, Tyson, I think G- I got permission from Jim to say this. Uh, things are far from perfect for me uh, because – I, I hired a litigation paralegal uh, who had 30 years of experience doing what I did, and in the and she was magnificent for about 90 days. And one day I, I'm in our copy room and she says, "Can I talk to you? I'm leaving." And I'm like, "Hey, okay, uh, you know, totally stunned me." So uh, this is a person who can do many things that I just don't have the ability to do. And we had hired a really a great what I thought you know a, a great litigation secretary, and it turns out she just can't do the work. And so we're we're kind of stuck at this point uh, with with a system here. And I'm really torn at this point. And I'd love feedback uh, whether to hire a young associate attorney to do all of the basically the case management or a more experienced paralegal. Uh, to do that, because right now, frankly, we have had a phenomenal experience with summer interns. So I have a summer associate who is head of her class at, at her law school, and she's dynamite. I mean, she's got no preconceived notions about how things should be done, and she's cranking out work, and it's just a wonderful thing. So we had worked with a German intern, a law student, for about six weeks. She lived in our our with our family. She was dynamite. This summer associate's great, but frankly, when the summer's over. Uh, I'm I'm really in a bind um, at that point. So trying to figure out how to manage all of these cases that we've got is going to be really tough. Um, because John, paperwork something, is not my thing, you know. John, some, something you said strikes a chord, and I'd love to hear Jim and Tyson's perspective because I feel like as as you move on, whether you're growing or whether you're trying to stay the same. Um, there's an issue that I see over and over again. We know best practices of recruiting. We know our best practice is retaining, but people are not widgets. They're people. They have strengths. They have weaknesses. And the thing that I have seen and struggled with is that 
you know, you said two things in there. You're losing somebody, and that's terrible, right? Unexpected. You thought you had something mm-hmm. locked in. But the second thing you talked about, and you've talked to me about privately, is that another employee who's there came in with billing and with perceived talents that just didn't turn out right. to be there. So now exactly. you have a situation where you're down. You really need to make a move with the person who is not performing and doesn't have the skill set that you need, while at the same time right. you are frozen because you can't even begin to deal with that second issue because you don't want to have complete turnover. And so all of a sudden we get lulled into a you know a a mediocre or or worse situation because you can't address that issue because you're dealing with the fire that is the the other person who's leaving and you know forces you into this dilemma where you can't change everything at once and now you're left with a less than ideal person. I just wondered how you guys have dealt with that type of balance and situation over time. Jimmy, go for it. So this is this is the eternal struggle. You know, everyone tells you to hire hire slowly and fire fast. And, and that's, I think, a lot of times easier said than done. One thing that we've been spending a lot of time thinking about here, too, at our office, um, and, and I'm sort of taking this outside the discussion of, of an immediate need for replacements, is that the, one of you two, either Seth or John, recommended to me a book called You Can't Teach Hustle. And I've come to believe that not only can you not teach hustle, you also cannot teach intellectual curiosity. So hustle and curiosity are the two things that we've been spending a lot of time thinking about and trying to develop, but I just think you can't teach those two things. And that if you get the right people who are intellectually curious, who if you ask them a question about maybe a case they're not even working on, their their mind just starts going and they start thinking about it and they come back to you and they say, boy, I was thinking about that situation you were mentioning and I really thought thought it through and here's some suggestions that I have. That those two things, hustle and curiosity, that you just can't teach. And I think that whether it's a, a, a brand new lawyer or a seasoned paralegal or a seasoned legal secretary, it, it, those are the factors that I would look for. And those are the things that I honestly believe you can't teach. No, John Morgan is the uh, famous book, You Can't Teach Hungry. And, you know, I'm always torn. And this is a, a little bit beyond this discussion, but the same continuum, which is, you know, there's that Marco uh, Groucho Marx um, concept, Woody Allen, I think, uh, captured as well. You know, why would you ever want to be a member of a club that would, has, would have you as a member? And so I have that, to- you know, I'd love to get all rock stars. The other problem is that rock stars don't always want to stay in the nest. So there's that combination of I want to get somebody with that intellectual curiosity and that hunger and drive because you need that. At the same time, if you don't have people that are looking to nest and be at be at a place and perform you know things over and over again over time consistency over time is worth so much and that that balance of finding somebody who has the fire in the belly or at least enough of it for you but at the same time isn't going to be changing jobs every 6 months that that has been uh, a struggle uh, at least big picture for us you also yeah, look well, at well I, I can um, say Go ahead, Tyson. Yeah, you also look at um, something from Jack Welch. He calls it the the four E's and one P, and it's really really interesting. And it is sort of the bedrock for the things that we look for now. And it's energy. Do they have energy? Can they energize other people? Do they have edge, execution, and passion? And and just look into it. There's a video on it, and there's plenty of that he's written about it. But the the, the really 
the bedrock of that is, are, are, do they have a lot of energy? Do they have passion? Can they energize other people? Can they get things done? And there's a series of things you can do to actually ask questions and, and about, their, about their background and their skills to get to those things. And I think if you start with that, it doesn't matter if the person has experience or if they don't have experience. I think if you just start with that, it's going to get you a good person. And then the rest of it's sort of on you. And then another way of looking at that is, is too, is someone with experience versus not without experience. And you all know how this goes. Sometimes if they have experience, they have a lot of bad habits and you have to break those habits. And sometimes that's more difficult than training a person from scratch. And so if you have, that's why I don't mind hiring people that don't have experience. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's good if they do. You don't have to break the habits, but if you have all that training in place, it's been videotaped, or if you've got a, a training module for them that you can easily put them through, it's really not that big of a deal. So it, it really just depends on what you want. I mean, do you want to not train someone? Fine. You're going to need to hire someone with experience. If, you, if you're okay with training them and spending two, three weeks training them, putting them through training modules, then, then that's fun as well. It just really depends on what your comfort level is with the training. But I think as a bedrock, you look for those those uh, four E's and one P. I think it's really important. And I believe it was also Jack Welsh that talked. I don't, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to butcher the, the concept, but um, it was something like firing the bottom 10% of your workforce every year. Um, and the idea that I sort of have str strove for is figuring out what is the least productive people that don't want to be there, people that have sort of passed their expiration point and trying to upgrade rather than waiting for that person to resign. And just that, that has been something I wonder how you guys have dealt with that about taking the initiative to improve rather than just react. Well, I'll tell you something. Um, one, one of the things when, when Google looks for an employee, they uh where they went to school or any of that stuff and no one would guess what their single most important criteria is but it is a love of learning somebody who is willing to take on a challenge learn as much as possible read and i can tell you uh what i look for in a new employee is stability of employment their past history because if they're jumping from one job to the next every year it's highly likely that they'll continue doing that However, if they've worked at one position for at least five years, that shows stability and it shows success. So that's the criteria, but it's not foolproof. The, the employee who was our, our superstar, rock star, paralegal, she had 18 years of experience at a medical malpractice law firm, and she quit after 90 days with our firm. So the other problem, Tyson, that, that you alluded to was many times when you have really experienced employees, they, they come with baggage. And that baggage is they don't like they do it a certain way and they don't like doing it other ways. So, for example, we have Fisherpedia, which is an online password protected website with all of our firm's policies and procedures. And I have begged our staff to add policies into Fisherpedia, and the superstar paralegal just declined. She says, I, I don't have time for this. It's not important to me. But the reality is when you document everything, not just with text, but with video and screenshots and links, what you've got is a resource for everyone so they don't have to basically do things from scratch every single time. But because our older paralegal was set in her ways, she was not receptive to it. We have, I think, um, Tyson, you, you do this as well, I think. 
uh, we have a daily huddle where we meet for 15 minutes every morning. We discuss a top three goals for the day of every person. Uh, our superstar doesn't like it. She just thinks that's a waste of time. I think it gives people access to me and it creates collaboration among all of the employees so we know what we're doing. And if we have a trial coming up in two weeks, we're focused on the trial. We're not focused on some, some other stuff that's less important. So that's my, but, but I, I totally agree with you, Jim, that uh, motivation and, and ambition is intrinsic. It cannot be given to somebody. And Daniel Pink wrote a book called Drive that people are either intrinsically motivated or they're not. And their carrots and, and, and uh, penalties cannot be used to motivate people. So for example, if you give people a $5,000 bonus, that's not going to motivate them to work harder. They're either motivated or they're not. So it is difficult. And I'm not sure what the answer is because we try to set all of our criteria, hiring criteria very carefully. And the reality is that superstar paralegal, she passed with flying colors. And yet after 90 days, she's gone for a state job. Um, two things that you, you raised during that I'll throw out there. And one, because, you know, it has been sort of a max law uh, topic are these uh, wikis and, and documenting and something that you you just refer to, I'm dealing with, I know Jay, who's sort of the master of this stuff is dealing with, is that the getting staff buy-in for the documentation and keeping that documentation up to date and referencing it has been a real challenge and something that I feel like would love to hear more about best practices because you're right, it can't be a, a, a stick. That doesn't work well, but it has certainly been a challenge in getting people to fully embrace the idea that this is a living, breathing document so that, as Tyson is saying, if that is something that is powerful, you have the ability to bring people in with less experience that opens up so many more doors than looking for that diamond in the rough with stability of job and experience, which is you know really, really hard to find. When right, and, the... and, and, and Seth, I, I, the other day, um, a few of our staff were out, and we had to electronically file something in federal court. I had no clue how to do it. So I turned to our summer associates, and I said, do you know how to do this? And she said, no. And so we go on to Fisherpedia, and, and one of our secretaries had documented the system for electronically filing in federal court. It was simple, and it was right there. So our summer associate, five minutes later, it was done. That's the value of documenting systems. But I totally agree with you. We have trouble getting buy-in from our staff, and it's more the experienced staff because um, they just think that this is a nuisance and a waste of their time. And I don't think giving them a cash bonus is going to get them to buy-in, so I'm stumped. I think subconsciously they also view it as a threat to their, their silo of knowledge. One of the things that, you know, my wife poo-pooed a lot of things at the conference, but when Ryan McKean talked about how people having their own information in their own head and only in their head can be a threat to the firm. I think John's sad, or I'm sorry, Seth's sad tale about Brian sort of just goes to show, even if it's completely unintentional, just having all that information in one person's head is a danger to the firm. I want to segue though. Um, I think we've talked that one through. I do want to say that uh, Jay Henderson is going to be speaking about hiring at next year's conference. He's already signed up to be with us in June next year. So uh, I know Jay has a lot of good thoughts on this. And so uh, we wanted to have you guys on to talk a little bit about the upcoming mastermind experience in Washington, D.C. Um, obviously, Tyson and I are big fans of the event. We've both gotten a lot out of it in the past. And so 
Uh, John, why don't you tell those who don't know about it how it works and, and how they can learn more about it? Right. Well, the, the, the DC Mastermind is at Seth's office, and Seth has been with us with every single uh, mastermind, and he's been an amazing uh, supporter, and, and he is a, a group moderator, so it, it's been amazing. But what we do, Jim and Tyson, is we, we separate, as you know, because you've been there, we separate into different groups, we bring in guest presenters, and we put people in small groups of about eight to nine lawyers where they can focus on the biggest challenge facing their firm over the next 90 days. So not the next year, but something specific. And so I'd like to share a story from our very first mastermind in Florida, which was five years ago. We had a young attorney who was there, and he's from Minnesota, and he makes a bold statement that he wants to be a medical malpractice lawyer. And basically, he was panned by everyone there. They said, that is nuts. You don't know what you're doing. It's so expensive. These cases are impossible to win. But we had a few members who said, give it a shot. We'll support you, and, and we'll give you all the resources that you need. So two to three years later, I get a text. He's, he says, I'm waiting on the jury. They're deliberating. I've tried my first malpractice case. The next morning, I got a text from him, and it wrote, I won the jury awarded $9.5 million, which was the highest verdict in Minnesota that year in a malpractice case. So amazing. And I don't know that the mastermind gets credit for that, but we gave him the push. We gave him the resources and the accountability. And Friday, September 6th, we will be meeting again uh, at, in Washington, D.C. We have all meals are included. We, we will have just a tremendous group of people, really more than anything else, it's the relationships that you form uh, with other people who will challenge you, give you basically all of their knowledge. Because I think the biggest mistake plaintiff's lawyers make is we hoard all the information to ourselves. And I see the defense bar, they collaborate and share. And when I go to trial and I see all these guys huddling around, I'm like, they won't even talk to me, you know? So I said, let's, let's try to change this for the plaintiff's lawyers. Let's give them resources and let's bring in people who can help us as opposed to being alone in our tiny offices. We have now resources across the country of people who will help us do what we want. And when we have problems with hiring and firing, we can turn to someone like Seth and say, Seth, what should I do? Seth calls me randomly all the time and says, John, you need to do this. And it's just having those resources that are powerful. So Friday, September 6th, Washington, D.C., for those who are interested in this and, and stay in the mastermind, it is one of the most powerful things you will ever do in your career. You can apply at mastermindexperience.com, and I hope you try to, you join us in D.C. I was going to dovetail. Yeah. This has been, you know, I, masterminds in general are a great platform for getting you to the next level. It's like-minded people rowing in the same direction, different strengths and weaknesses that can help you along. Um, there are a number of groups out there doing them, some of them are very good. What is unique about this is a couple things, in my opinion. First, John is doing this from the heart. Uh, you know, there are very few things in life and that is really a passion play for John. I, I can tell you because I've, I've seen the books, he's not making any money on this. In fact, to his detriment, he's probably taking taking a loss because he feels so strongly in bringing people together. So as values go in life, by the time you eat the food that John puts out and the experience, it is probably one of the few things that resembles a free lunch. It is a powerful experience. It is compact so that you're not away from the office for very long. 
um, and that it has allowed by doing these in smaller groups. It gives people time to express and explore their own issues. It gives you time to give back and then to meet up as a group and really come together with this sort of fraternity that has grown, uh, that has allowed myself and others in it to not only build and grow our practices, but I feel like give back and help others on their way up so that you get both that pull and tug. Seth, it's funny. So whenever I went to the, the very first mastermind, I was I was sort of looking around and thinking like, okay, I know John Fisher. He's got this amazing book. He's always sharing. I get this great newsletter from him. And I was always like, okay, what's the angle? Like he's trying to make some money off this thing. I, I was trying to do the math. I was looking around the room and thinking like, okay, here's what we paid. You know, there's a room cost, there's the food cost, there's the coffee cost. And then that night he took us all out for dinner and bought drinks and thinking like, there's no way, no freaking way this guy's making money off this thing. And the more that I got to know John, I knew it was about passion. It was about helping other people. And it really is incredible. This is, it's very, I think we put blinders on because we look at all these other organizations out there that do a lot of good things, but they're out, they're, they're ultimately out there for their bottom line, making money. John is not like that. That's not what this, this is about to him. And John, to your credit, yes, you do get the credit, okay? Because I know the lawyers that are in Maximum uh, Mastermind Experience, and I know the impact that you have had on them and the group has had on them. So kudos to you. You definitely do get all the credit. Well, well, you know, first of all, thank you, Seth and Tyson and Jim, because you guys are amazing people. And, and the benefit of the Mastermind is I get to know amazing people and, and call them my friends. And that is the real value of this. So if someone is interested in the Mastermind Experience and you just show up, um, don't bother, frankly. Uh, the value in our group is staying in the group, forming these relationships, and meeting amazing people like Jim Tyson and Seth, who will do basically anything for you. I could call any of our members pretty much and on a whim and get a favor from them, just because that's how tight our, our mastermind is. And it, for people who take the chance with us, it's an amazing thing because it's a long term. It's a, a long it's an investment in your career, basically. And so I am grateful for the relationships and friendships that we have. And thank you so much, guys, for all your support. Absolutely. All right. So I know that Jim's on a, on a tight timeline this morning, so I do want to wrap things up. Before I do, I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group, get involved there. Um, Seth and John and all a bunch of the other Mastermind Experience lawyers are in there, if not all of them are in there. Um, a great group of people. Get involved there. Also, if you don't mind taking a couple minutes, or not even a couple minutes, 30 seconds, go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and give us a five-star review. Jimmy, what's track of the week? So I went to the used book fair, and I picked up a bunch of books, and one of the books is a John Fisher favorite, and I've read half of it on my Kindle, but I wanted to have it in hard copy, and I found it for 50 cents. It's, it's a Dale Carnegie book. It's not How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's another one called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, and I think even though it's written back in the 1940s or 50s, it's got great lessons even for today. Good stuff. I saw your I saw your post. You got some good books. So, uh, all right, John, you get to go first this time, and then Seth, uh, your tip or hack of the week. Beautiful. Uh, I would like to give give your all everyone listening what is potentially a career changer, and it's not the mastermind experience. It's called Strategic Coach. I've been a member for two years, and basically, I know Jim, you're a member as well. We get to meet with just incredible business owners from across the country, learn from them every three months, 
we, we, we change our practices and we, we change our mindsets. The way that we think about running our law firm as a business changes completely. And our business, it should be self-managing so it serves us as opposed to us being the slave of our, our work. And strategic coach for me and Dan Sullivan has been amazing uh, and is something that I would encourage anyone if you're interested in, in having totally different view of your business and your life, join strategic coach. I went to a couple's retreat with my wife once through strategic coach, and she said to me afterwards, is our marriage in trouble? And I said, no, 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 no. It's just I thought we could improve it. And then when she saw all the stuff that we do at Strategic Coach, she's like, now I get why you spend 10 grand every year. This is worth every penny. So that's my tip. And for me, I'd say, dovetailing what I talked about earlier, uh, take a moment and look at your internal processes and procedures and figure out what's inside of people's heads and do everything you can to make sure that it is somehow retrievable and usable in the event that somebody is not available because it, uh, it, is, it is quite a, an experience to live through. And I hope that if somebody else can sort of learn from this and improve in their, when their situation uh, happens, that uh, I'd feel better if they could use this as a, as a positive. Nice. Good stuff. So I've been, recently I've been thinking about what like how I can work out more because I, I know that I've sort of fallen off the wagon. I need to need to do it more. So I've been sort of analyzing my life and thinking like, okay, what can I do to make it easier for me to work out? And so I, I, my tip is to think about your lives. If you think that you need to work out more, I'm, I'm assuming most of you probably do because we all probably work out less than we should. Um, and, and just think about things you can easily do to make it easier for you to work out. For example, I've got an exercise bike in my my office. I, I put some extra gym clothes in my in my office so I can access them. We don't have a shower in this office, and so I bought some baby wipes to put it put there. So like if I want to work out for a few minutes, I can. I can clean up really easily. So doing doing little small things like that to make it easier um, will will make a big difference. So that is my tip of the week. Seth, John, thank you so much for coming on. I hope people will will. Uh, apply to go to Mastermind Experience. It really is a it's a career-altering and life-altering decision. So I really hope you do. But John, Seth, thank you so much. Guys, you're Thanks amazing. for having us. Thank you so much for all your support. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Also, one last plug. I, Blue Shark Digital. Um, if you need SEO, website needs, check out Blue Shark Digital. Sorry for not mentioning that earlier, Seth. No, I appreciate, appreciate your uh, your support. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.